Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the after party for Annalise's Revenge. What a happy, fun time we all had. Is this Tenor talking or Emily <laughs> talking? I think it's Alto. Uh, tenor didn't talk. <laughs> or Alto, sorry, sorry, sorry. Alto. Uh, we're here tonight with Remley Farr, who wrote Annalise's Revenge and also wrote Happy Jack. Hey. Hey. Welcome. I'm famous again. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting! Thanks for joining us. You know, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. So, do you do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? What you do? What you've done? So, I know Jeff. He reached out to me. I don't know if Madhouse of Tasha's Kiss was the first thing he commissioned from me, but uh, there might have been one or two little one shots beforehand. But I know Happy Jacks, Annalise, and then the third one, Madhouse of Tasha's Kiss, were all part of a little trio that just kind of kept building and building and building. But he kind of reached out to me after I published some stuff on my own. I first put something up on the DMs Guild in about 2016, right after 5e dropped, because me and a couple buddies were doing Pathfinder. Then 5e came out. Some other friends said, hey, try this new version of D&D. Went, played it, had fun with it. And I think just for kicks, I said, I'm going to write an adventure for it like the old dungeon magazine adventures were back from the day because i had a couple of them i commissioned an artist and i formatted it and all everything and i wrote this adventure called the sun goes down with a ruby smile and i ran it for them they liked it and i was giving it out for free on subreddits and stuff like that then the dm scale they announced this thing and i when it went live i put mine on there my i might have the second adventure published Timeline wise, of on the entire DMs Guild, just because I had some, oh, really? yeah, it was already like it was pre made, like eight and a half by eleven. You had it ready yeah, to go. It was ready yeah. to go. It was just a PDF, and I said, mm-hmm. yep. I can put money <laughs> on this. Awesome. I can make money. Oh, here's a, so. So, have you always been interested in writing adventures for whatever system? Um, well, it really kicked off after. Let's see, I started playing in three point five, and I enjoyed writing a bunch from there, but. I went to school, uh, got a degree in writing, and initially I was writing young adult books. And I was doing this stuff to try and plug my young adults. This is just supposed to be a billboard to get people to come and buy the other stuff. But then this started making actual money, and the other stuff wasn't selling at all. So I said, okay, well, if I'm using top dollar bait to catch cheap fish, I'll just eat the bait. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I started hopping back on that, and... Um, doing a lot less writing nowadays mostly because my bill paying uh insurance giving job the, the one that keeps me really going is starting to go but i've at one point a lot of these publishing things started to just get really big you just got tons of things coming to dm's guild so i found it was a lot easier to actually just commission myself out instead of trying to be a publishing house or be a, you know, main focal point. Instead, just say, hey, who, who wants to use me? Um, it's, got, <laughs> it's like, essentially, if everyone wants to be a sushi chef, then you start selling rice. And Jeff reached out to me after, I know, M.T. Black, he commissioned me for two pieces at one point. And Jeff, he was very, very generous with uh, the payment for one. Even to the point where when Tasha's Kiss started selling really, really well, 
he came back and just offered me more of a cut, and that's never happened before. So Nice. So I was definitely ready to go back and work with him some more. And what was funny with Tasha's Kiss is he basically said, I don't want to spend too much on that one because we haven't done it yet. Um, he said, I commissioned this cover art and I haven't had anything to do with it yet. And so he showed me the creepy cover art and I said, we can make this happen. And it's kind of like this cover art is always what he sort of started off with. I mean, even with Happy Jacks, I think a real selling point on that adventure is just that grisly cover image. Of, yeah, yes. like toothy yeah. smile. Yes, yeah. I'm not even rocking my Pennywise shirt for <laughs> yeah. yeah, that toothy smile, it really catches you, the eyes as well. And it came out, I think, within two months of It Part 2 hitting movie theaters. Mm-hmm. So it's also oh, a mix okay. of, I see what you're doing, Jeff. Yeah. I see yeah. that marketing side of you. Have you heard many people play your adventures? I've heard lots of people do Tasha's Kiss. Lots of people do Happy Jacks. You are the second group that I know of having broadcast Annalise's Revenge. That's one reason why when I reached out to Emily, I think I even mentioned to you, or it might have been John, I said, no one's given her any attention. I want to give her, <laughs> maybe uh, put, put her out there. So, so which group saved the most people? <laughs> Did the other group I don't any think people? it was your group <laughs> if only that one last person made it out know, right? well, well, Irma was probably like three people stitched together enough you just could have gotten her out and then, you know. yeah. it's what's neat though I, one thing that I noticed while watching these and this also goes into the written portion is you can't plan too much out essentially what you want to do there's a guy who reviews he's actually one of the best reviews i ever got was a review that tore apart one of my adventures it was from um <laughs> his name was bryce lynch from 10 foot pole he reviewed an early adventure that i wrote that was just tons and tons of just sp- a spiel of words like it was more like a novel and that's a big thing he criticized took his advice wrote something else i made it a lot easier for the dm to read because i kind of say a lot of these adventures i need to quit gesturing to things this is an audio podcast people <laughs> yeah. i am holding up a book <laughs> the collection book yeah because a lot of these are not just interesting bits of prose and interesting stories and subjects they're also technical manuals i now do things where instead of trying to give the dm a giant chunk of text like okay let's in my own stuff, I'll condense it down, make it easier to look at. And sure enough, on a Gen Con morning, I'm sitting there with a... I go to this one place, get my mimosas, because I need them to get going that morning. <laughs> yeah. I pull up his blog, and there he is. He's reviewed a new thing I've written, and he's talking about how much he likes it. And he uses this analogy, which said something like, because there were so many... Th- things for the adventurers to play with and that's kind of what because this was more of a sandbox this one adventure was it was called everyone plows the graveyard farm the things that i write on my own have really weird titles so i can google them easier i can find them it's not just the stabbing i can just tap in that one title and plows the graveyard farm piqued my interest kind of had just a bunch of little things for people to go play with and he used the phrase gas tanks everywhere with the party able to just light them off as needed and <laughs> I like that. So that's kind of how things progress a little bit more. I want to say with writing these is I can't, don't pre-plan, don't have too much of a preset idea. 
you don't know what random NPC a party member is going to freak out, punch in the face, broke their neck. Oh, well, there goes the plot line. Because um, you guys negotiated with Soprano. I think the other party fought him. And the other party, I can't... I'm trying to remember what all went down. One of them, one of their party members, I think offered herself up to Alto in exchange to save everybody. And Alto just took her soul and took off with her. Wow. What? We would never do no. that. I don't think we'd, we'd ever play someone who would do that. It's not really our place, though. Um, so they didn't uh, They didn't act out the scenes. I think they may have acted out one less thing. It was also it was a live play um, on Twitch, which I know is a little different than a live stream like this because I know having done live shows on Twitch, I used to, I've done a ton of them. You're a little, I feel I'm a little more, it's like I'm a little too wound up. When I'm a little more wound up, I tend to not just barge forth as much as I would on a recording or if I'm just writing something up. I do think players can be a little more open, so to say, when it's not live. Like if you're just recording it, you know it's going to go up later on, but you don't have to worry about entertaining someone right there, right now. Yeah. Right, yeah. And so I think with them, I mean, Alta, Alta said, you know, give me your, your soul and I'll let him go. And the person said, yeah, and that character disappeared. And the player said, wait, I'm gone? I was like, oh, yeah, you gave me your soul. He's snatched you up and took off with you. <laughs> but that was also when I started getting more into reading some more OSR and old school D&D stuff where, yeah, you could get killed. It happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Annalise is, Annalise is also where I think Jeff let me off my leash a little more often. That's when we started putting content warnings, like goats. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Annalise was definitely a lot more uh, mature rating than mm-hmm. <laughs> Happy Jack. But I do appreciate the way both of them are written. It was very easy to read it and figure out what's going on. And still, and I, I know you like give permission saying you, you're the DM, you make of it what you will. But it's nice to read that and... and Especially for me, who I've only DM'd a few times, so I'm still a newbie. So to read that and and realize I don't have to exactly stick to what's written in the book, it is really helpful. And the way you have everything out laid out was really helpful. I think uh, Jeff's a big one when it comes to the layout, and especially with making sure DMs know that they can. Because I've I've learned a thing in the past too, dealing with playwriting is, if you want someone to. It's kind of like if I tell anyone who wants to write this kind of stuff is your DMs, they're going to take something and make it work to their for their party, make it fit into their campaign world. It's not going to be a direct translation of what you wrote. For one, that's kind of hard to do. It's as a writer for this kind of material, you have an idea in your head and you got to first make sure that it trans that it goes. Nothing gets lost in the way going from your head to the page then it has to go from the page to a dungeon master who then has to take it and then act it out, retranslate it, set it for your audience. So part of the craft is knowing, okay, well, how much you can't be too stuck on this material. You can't hope that they don't miss that anything at all. The dungeon masters, they're going to lose things. They're going to swap this character out for somebody else. Um, they're going to, I think, I don't even think this was in Happy Jacks, but one group, it blew me away what they did. I think they made it where they're all like the little kids, and he's, you know, pulling little aspects of people out of each other. And at the end, Happy Jacks' little kid version comes walking up, but is like mature and like that's the grown up version. 
And I, oh. I, did, I did not write that in there at all. And I said, yeah. that is cool. Like, I think yeah. Jack's, yeah, Jack's drunk, grown Jack is sitting there crying. They beat him. They didn't kill him, I don't think. But he's crying and young Jack comes up and he's got like his hand on the shoulder and Oh, saying, wow. It was this really intimate moment. I'm sitting here going, I didn't put that in, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, Jeff, I need you to put something in right now. Put that thing out. Yeah. <laughs> Stop the prints. So, but it's just let people play with it. Otherwise, write a book. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, do you visualize it as a story when you write it and then sort of break it out into hunks? Kind of. To, like, to give it, you know. Agency for people to, you know, this is the important thing I want to get across in this room or this area that can lead it on. Or do you just, you know, visualize it as a full story? See, um, kind of. But when I did Happy Jacks, the thing with Happy Jacks, if anyone ever looks at the DM side of it, is it can go any kind of ways. Because I made it go on the idea of the Dungeon Master has so many things going on in there that might not be pre-planned. It's almost like... All right, guys, this is just how the dungeon ended up, almost like a random generator to a degree. Mostly in that the people you come across in it, they're not pre-established where they are. You roll randomly to see which bad guys are, which of these seven bad guys and which ones are in the room. So let's say one of the seven is in this room. There might be two in this room. Two of them might just pair up well together. Two of them, they're like that perfect combo in Marvel versus Capcom. That if they just team up and fight the party, they'll wipe you. Oh, that's Mm. interesting. I didn't, I don't know... I don't know that M ever told us that that was the way it worked. I did yeah. not. That's, That's cool. cool. Yeah. Even the loot, a lot of the loot that would be found, so much of it is, Jeff has told me, says, Rimley, why do you love tables so much? Like rolling right <laughs> And I say, because the Dungeon Master needs some fun too. The Dungeon Master needs to look at players and go, look, you can't get mad at me if this kills you. I'm rolling on a chart. We'll see what it's goes random, down. random, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Let the Dungeon Master roll a few things. So, because I think in Happy Jacks, they're the adult aspects of the kids i think three of them you come across they're already dead depending on where you find them and so we don't know which ones of those seven they'll be you don't know if in the hall of mirrors as well you bump into this one kid or if it's not until the slip and slide room where you find the other one and i did it to kind of just i wanted happy jacks to be i don't want any players to feel like they were being led somewhere because a lot of times if I play online, or a lot of adventures that I will see are very linear. I'm thinking, oh, let's break up that linear things. Happy Jacks, if you look at the map forward in the opening, there are seven different directions you can go once you get a fun house from the first room. Oh, yeah. And we all wanted to go different ways. Yep. <laughs> and I was laughing at that when you were trying to <laughs> figure that out. I, yeah. I really wanted, same with this one, actually. And at least I'm like, let's go in the staff entrance. Like, I, I, I just always wanted to go in the employee entrances, I guess. Well, it's because well, you don't even have to, you know, put, there's treasure down here. You just have to put up a sign that says you're not supposed to be in here. And that will make people oh, yeah, want to go limits. Yeah, 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 put yeah. their head yep. in there. And whereas Annalise is a little more like, you're here for a job. Go in there and rescue these people. But I know a lot of adventuring parties are very silly. So what happens if they go in trying to be silly and start messing with Touch, things? Touching doors. <laughs> start touching doors. Uh-huh. Yeah. Turning into whatever you polymorphed into. Webbing the whole place up. Every, <laughs> everyone is a boo and everything is that giant red gem that is not the lamp. So it's like you're here to get the lamp. Uh, Cave Wonders might turn on you. What was neat, though, is even Jeff was the one who said uh, he had the idea for Annalise. He, even before, right before Happy Jacks went out, I think he said, I want to throw this thing in there to have us a little something to go with later on. 
and that's where Annalise's Revenge kicked off. Um, I think it was my idea to go with something more like a mime. That's what I was thinking of with her. Kind of each of the three characters, Tasha's Kiss being more of a harlequin, Happy Jack being a traditional carnival clown, and Annalise being more of a mime. And that's where the stitching of the mouth kind of came in. Oh, okay. okay. And I thought it also came with, uh, was a neat image when he drew it on the picture as well. Yeah, it was really neat on cover art. Is it written in that, like, the party is up on those posters and that Jock has a room? So whose room would that be and how did that happen Let to come? Let me see real quick as I open my book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is it is it a Jack room and she turned it into a Jock room? Like, I don't know. Cause that's, well, that's a neat thing, too, that happened with your parties. Jack and Jock have that similarity Common in names. Name. So you <laughs> could just run with that. Which, by the way, the part that I laughed at the hardest is when Little Jock said that accent's fake. <laughs> I lost it. Yeah, and that cut me the deepest. <laughs> <laughs> Your accent's fake. I was like, oh, this is hilarious. <laughs> Which room Jock's dressed Be like, skip Kernicus and all this crap. So the, like... the posters, it says, uh, large colorful posters hang from the windows. And it says a tragedy in two acts by Annalise Penn. And then below the main poster are individual posters with headshots of each of the stars of the show, the player characters. So okay. I embellished it a little bit, but basically the idea was there. Yeah. But why didn't Pam have a room? Because there was only one star of the show. <laughs> and I this, this seems like unfair fun. treatment. I, I rolled a die and, and it came favoritism. up Jock. Look, we all know that I am Emily's favorite. Die. So obviously <laughs> Jacques is going to get the star treatment, okay? Was that a, a way that you embellished Emily? Let me see, because I'm seeing the star's dressing room in... Well, for sure, there's no fake dog you can ride with a saddle and stuff. I mean, what? you don't know how deep, how much planning went into this. <laughs> there's no human skin cowboy hat. No, there's no human skin cowboy hat. <laughs> that was a whole other. <laughs> but for sure, as far as we called it mature, like we ended that session, and I was like, it was really creepy and gory. Yeah. yeah. Like the goriest thing I've ever played, but like in an enjoyable way. Like I didn't have nightmares. Mm-hmm. this time glad to hear that yeah <laughs> i think um that person who gave you the advice was i mean i'm not the most experienced i've got very very little dming experience and not that much experience as a player but i think that that sounds like good advice and i think it translated well to these from my perspective anyway as a player who's played these um being told you know give sort of lots of options for the dm and that way, when your players do the exact opposite of everything that you've planned for, you know, you've you've got lots of other choices to, to roll with. So I, I like that. That's another reason why I learned to not plan too much out ahead, because you don't know what these players are going to do. You don't know what random NPC they're going to adopt as their favorite and never let it go for yeah. any reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. So the, the stars... Dressing room was you, Ramley. It says the door to this room has a name of the star of the show emblazoned on it, which is a randomly determined player character. Uh, right, randomly mm. determined. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I did message <laughs> Leland, and I'm like, "What would Jacques have in a in his room? What kind of items would be in there?" Whips. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then I took that a step farther for the green room, and I messaged all of them, and I said, "What are, What are your characters' favorite foods?" To make sure that those foods were in there in the green room. That was uh-huh. fun. Uh huh. 
That was fun. Minus um, pulling out toes to eat it later. <laughs> that was less fun. Again, really cool You didn't flavor. enjoy that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they were roasted and candied, maybe. Could <laughs> Booch will try anything once. <laughs> was, is Booch a snapping turtle? I mean, yeah, I was about to say. Snapping, turtles. yeah, they live around where I'm at. Don't get a toe. <laughs> That's fair, actually. <laughs> If it's you stick your toe too close to a snapping turtle, don't expect. Look, are to we going to get into the argument again about whether a turtle is supposed to be a tortoise or a turtle? Right. Because we've yeah. gone down this road before. That, I don't think we I came don't know to that a there's conclusion. There's a difference. <laughs> mm, they're the same thing. No. <laughs> Leland, you ended up playing Booch quite a bit. <laughs> I in assisted a fellow player at the table with some forgotten abilities, yes, so we wouldn't hopefully die. I've never claimed to understand how D&D combat works, okay? This is no, this should be nothing new for Every few turns, you'd be like, Bill, did you realize this person's a humanoid and they're, you know... <laughs> Are you using the correct dice? Are you using the correct number of dice? Are you remembering to do this ability that you have? <laughs> Yeah, Bill's known for not throwing the right amount of dice and it mattering. <laughs> One of my buddies, the first character he really played was a uh, Druid of the Spores as well. And granted, with that being the only character he ever played, he picked up real well on it because it was like, I know how to do one thing and that's, that's if they get too close to me when I'm doing my, my spory stuff, they're going to get hurt. And, <laughs> and I guess on roll 20 where we could put the little swingy circle around them that showed step near him, you're gonna get stuck. Uh, oh, you know what? I, I should have done we that. Should do that, that with me. with Booch's. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Put the I will on. say, <laughs> I do have a bit of a distaste for electronic things in my D and D games. <laughs> I like to roll my physical dice. I like to erase <laughs> your hit points so much it goes yeah. through the paper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was one of my favorite lines from this. Is I said what's happening and bill said leland is successfully playing two characters right now yeah he meant it <laughs> i mean it doesn't i don't take any offense to someone reminding me of something that's totally fine all the the most egregious reminders are usually edited out anyway so <laughs> <laughs> yeah at least yeah, just yeah. i'd leave just enough heard... in to make me look great <laughs> <laughs> If you there's don't a laugh, hear all it stays the, the cursing yeah. and swearing and uh, uh, nasty mm. things he says to me. <laughs> okay, so like opening the door to the theater, um, John Ernunda got polymorphed. Is that like a random table of, of effects? See, that was all Jeff's idea. I originally had it unlocked. I was one of those folks okay. who said, oh. you just, um, let them go wherever. If they go through it in one, one step, they get through it in one step. I think it's because also earlier I was... Um, it's hard. It's really hard to write things, and especially to broadcast, and especially on like a Twitch channel that has like a three-hour slot to fill. So mm -hmm. I had to kind of get out of that mindset, which is what I used to participate a lot in, and go, "Hey, sometimes you just go through it, and you go through it." I think the list itself. Mm -hmm. Let's see. That was one of Jeff's. I got it right here in front of me. The door. I can't find it. Oh yeah, based on the character level. Is what you turn into. If your character's level four through five, you get turned into an ape or a black bear. If your character level is six through eight, you can become an Ettercap, a gargoyle, or a mummy. Nunda's probably, which if Nunda got turned into a mummy, he would have probably gotten younger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, Nunda's almost a mummy already. Nunda's playing first edition. I'm only 400. <laughs> no, wait, you know he doesn't want to be a daddy. 
<laughs> yeah. If, if the turtle is calling you old, then you're pretty old. <laughs> right. live to be ancient. It is scary to like. I try to open the door and it opens, and there's no. Yeah, that's a scary thing in itself. So <laughs> to leave, leave something unlocked, <laughs> you're like. Well, I'll even do things like here's a room with nothing really interesting going on in it, just to people will assume something bad is behind oh, yeah. here. And it's like... Spend yes. their resources yeah. looking for magic. I roll for investigation. You don't find anything. I'll do it again. There's got to be something <laughs> in the room. <laughs> I've had players do that. I look closer. Yeah, old D&D did that a lot. They left a lot of empty rooms, mainly for the DM to fill them with whatever they wanted to. But yeah, you got used to just going in going, ah, well, I guess this one's empty. Move on. Where's the treasure? There can't be a trap in here. <laughs> Well, that's because uh, old school D&D also used a lot more of the wandering monsters. You had a chart oh, with yeah. after every 15 minutes or so. So I guess all those empty rooms were also there to kind of, you don't know where the monster's going to pop up at. Like like you said, they'll show up wherever they need to be. And then you back up, barricade it. This room's going to be the place where we drop our tents. Because that's the thing too. Encumbrance was a big thing back then as well. And I kind of liked, I like to put more of that into 5e as well when possible. It's just so much bean counting. Yeah, I like I like the idea of it, but the maintenance of it is painful because you you go and you play and somebody pulls out their sword and then their halberd and then their you know and you go where are you keeping all this crap right? Hey, my and purse, obviously. Yeah, Mary Poppins. <laughs> Pam's purse. That's why a bag of holding is so important, right, Bill? Sure One, is. Two, two or three of them, actually. I, yeah, <laughs> ideally two, if not three. There is a purse of holding, of holding Ral, right? Uh, Pam has yes. a purse of holding. Pam's purse yes. has been upgraded because it was just a perfect <laughs> yes. fit. That is now a uh, haversack of holding is what it is. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. That's great. Want some peanut brittle? <laughs> No, not at the theater. That was that was <laughs> a not in the theater. That was like a very weird um what like homage to my mother and like she always says peanut. <laughs> I don't know. She says it weird and she she likes peanut brittle and peanuts for snacks. If you're not really listening all that well, you yeah. could assume she's saying something we very make fun well, of her, not but... very different, but, but yes. Pam is my mom. My mom is Pam. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Her, her, um, she has a little bit of an, it's, her accent, her accent's not near as thick as Pam's, though. So back to the adventure, I did like the way that the abyssal plane and the material plane were all tied together, and things that they did on the material plane affected the other side. That was, I think, one of the big, I guess, motifs I was thinking of when I was starting off with this, was a mirrored world where if you want to tweak something in this side, you got to go back and tweak it in the other side. And especially the idea of if you pull the wrong things on one side, you're going to cause terrible things to happen on the other side. Uh, uh, early ideas of how it was going to work out were even points of where you couldn't even open doors in the abyssal plane unless you went and did it in the material plane. Oh. Granted, I think that would have caused oh, wow. a lot more bean counting for the dungeon master. Like you'd have to have little almost checkable boxes for all the key things next to every single room. So you could knew, okay. Yeah. Did they flip this table over? Did they open this chest? Did they do this? I did have a check sheet. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> and the one idea I got from that too was with the people. An earlier adventure that I wrote with another complicated title called Seized Fire for the Ceasefire. One of the running things was a in a snowy town, a wizard with an ice staff, a spell went wrong, froze all the people, but they were frozen in unbreakable ice. Think of Ocarina of Time when the Zoras all get frozen in their little red crystals, if anyone's ever played that video game. But 
later on these whale people moved in, humanoid whales, didn't know what these frozen people were, and we're just using them as like furniture and stuff. Like just, <laughs> just never really decor. Yeah, and like so the party goes in, meets these cool like little killer whale looking, you know, bipeds and they go into the house and there's a man under this table that you're using to hold it up. They don't know what's going on. Like you can smack it with a hammer or the person won't break or anything. So that's kind of what I think led oh, into wow. the frozen people aspect of this one. But they are a little more brittle. Yes. <laughs> is, there, is there lore behind why it was the abyssal plane? And uh, I don't know. How did you come up with the three big baddies? So we came up with Tasha first. I don't want to go too into that in case it's something you want to jump into. Which you don't have to do that one first, then play these two. I think when we looked at what we created, I think we basically said the only real order that they have to be done is just do Jacks before Tasha's for it to make the most sense. Um, since there is a, but I, but when I was writing Tasha's, I said I want this to loop back around. No, when I was writing Annalise's, sorry, do Jacks first, then Annalise's. But then, as I was writing Annalise's, I said I can wrap this around to make it where. If they haven't done Tasha's yet, they can go do that after this by dropping all this information with Tasha's. Degmir, that's a character from Tasha's, to where it can go around and be used as the last one. So that way it's a little more of a circle of ways to just pick one way to start. But like, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I want a little bit, if there is lore, I want a little lore on the baddies. Or like, how did Annalise get there? What ha- Like, what happened? Well, it's said in the play. I mean, I haven't read. I mean, all, but again, like the play is like, uh, like poetic explanation, and under pressure, I'm reading it while we play. You know, like it didn't all. Yeah, I didn't absorb too much of it while I was reading it, to be honest, because I was just focusing on not on. Not she was she was inhabited by stumbling. Demon. Uh, the yeah, the quartet possessed her after her soul was taken by Degmir. There's four of them? De- yeah, Dagmir works for Tasha's Kiss. Tasha's Kiss is friends with Reaver. Reaver was the one that's trying to take over Jack. But the quartet is soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. That's what they were referred to in the adventure, called the Oh, quartet. there was four of them. Who was I forgetting? See, you f- yeah, soprano, alto, tenor, bass was I the goat I eye at the soprano. end. And soprano yeah, was okay. the... Yeah. Big fat guy in the theater. So, did you expect people to fight all four of them? Not really, because... Because that's a lot. I knew from having to DM a lot of Twitch D&D that if I really need to fill out my three hours, like if we're about, like we're only an hour and a half into the time slot, if you want to fill it out, you just start combat. Because yeah. I think the one downside with 5th edition is that combat takes a while. Especially mm-hmm. at high yes. levels, when everyone wants to try and uh, get the most out of their turn. And it's not just, I swing my axe. Uh, it's, all right, well, well what's spell? Okay, you got a counterspell. Sit there and you counterspell. I'll prep this. I'll give you this buff. It edits down, but in live play, for sure, it takes longer. Yeah. Oh, I'm, like, it's got to be. Because even when I DM and players want to go to combat, I'm thinking, no, can y'all just talk this out? <laughs> <laughs> the incorrigible party would. <laughs> Do some negotiating. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We're really good at talking. <laughs> Probably just a misunderstanding. <laughs> Yeah, they're just misunderstood. Let's try waving to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tenor is kind of basically tenor in the group is meant to be just the big hulking thing you fight. And as you fight tenor and the more damage you deal to her, she can split in half and there's like 
she splits in half and those two halves are if they're on individual things little torso worms crawling around mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they keep chopping them more and more in half I've grown to really like more traps I guess lately that's been my thing especially Happy Jacks Happy Jacks is full of traps I had some crazy it was so hard trying to when it comes to get the thing in your head put it on paper hope the DM gets it the trap with okay the rolly tunnels that you walk through like in the fun house <laughs> yeah. oh yeah where yeah. one of them it's like a ninja warrior course. <laughs> One of them was meant to, you go into it and it can tumble down a, tr- a chute. And so I guess the idea was if you think of yourself being, you step into one of these little twirly parts of the tunnel, then it goes down an incline. You can't get out of it. Right. right. Yeah. And it goes down the path and it is supposed to then hit that button where the M Viper is. Yeah. And let her free. Yeah. And then you're looking right at her. Like it pins you in there with her. Which Am Viper is just an anagram of vampire. I went with like a more reptilian vampire than a bat vampire. Oh. So, and I, the reason why she's a little more weird is actually me and Jeff, when talking about Happy Jacks, we actually have we were interviewed by Dragon Plus Magazine. I kind of, when it came to developing monsters, I said, "Well, think of the vampire. Think of all the rules that it has that don't really make a lot of sense." Sunlight kills it. Uh, it can't go over running water. It has to be invited into a house. They're very folklore. Garlic. Yeah, garlic. And, yeah. <laughs> and when you yeah. stop and think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense logically, but it's so part of you know Western culture that it's just a monster that's become natural to us. So it's like, okay, well, what's some monster that has just some strange rules and they're just there to be there? Also, the party won't know what the heck it's doing because it's not from a monster manual. That's the best way to stop metagaming, too, It's just create unique things. Yeah. Create new stuff, uh, right? Great. Yeah. You can't say, I've seen this before. I know its weaknesses. and You can't sit there, as I've seen a player do on a Twitch stream. I saw a guy argue with me. He said, wait, wait, because he, apparently he didn't kill the Sawagan. I think that's what we're fighting. He takes out the monster manual and starts flipping through it to, like, debate with me how many hit points it had. And I'm sitting there thinking... Oh, you, That's not cool, you, you pile of swear words that <laughs> I can't say. You lose XP. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and things too, I just, monsters can be simple and they can be a little more bizarre, but I think just take, step out of the rules of the game. Do something people won't see coming. Now, Annalise, when she's possessed, she has a special rule where if she hits you enough times, she then gets a free attack with one of her special abilities. Especially if you can do things or have people make rolls or saves that they didn't even see coming. Could she be saved? Could Annalise be saved? Yes. So what one group picked up on... <laughs> so we failed It's okay. On it's that. okay. It's okay. Well, one group... Well, that's the thing is I write this going, someone might just let her go. Uh, so far, both groups found her in the crowd. Both groups realized, oh, we found her uh, headshot picture in... Lucas. The yeah, Lucas Lucas, Lucas, Lucas Ravioli's room. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me trying to come up with fantasy Italian sounding names. Lavoli and Pavoli. <laughs> Pavoli just sounded. Bring Hollywood, me the yeah. formuoli. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and so both did that. Uh, what one group managed to do is realize that the myconid spores. You could use that to talk to the frozen people, and oh. that's why they were kind of put in there saying, "I wonder if people can maybe think if I because they can make you communicate telepathically." And I think they th- threw that into one of them. Yeah, we never used those. Bo- yeah, Booch has got them added to his uh, sourdough starter. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. more of them. <laughs> so, about how long does it take you to write a campaign like Annalise? As I've noticed with the stuff I was doing for Jeff, they progressed more and more. I guess because as my my bill paying job got a little more intense, they progressed more and more in, into the category of I'll start it next week. I'll start it in two weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll start it in three weeks. And then, like the true, you know, finals week of college, it is. Uh, I've had to do that before. Write something. I mean, a lot of people will if you go to school and do term papers. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like okay. I need to get this done. He's asking me how far along I've gone with it. And he messed up. Jeff messed up one time on a podcast. Because one time he was being interviewed. And Jeff, if you're listening to this, no, this is where you went wrong. Someone asked you about dead. Someone asked you, Jeff, talking to you, Jeff, about deadlines. And you said, you've just grown to just accept the fact that writers will be late on their deadlines. Oh, <laughs> he said it. So eventually at one point, I think I just kind of sat down. I even remember I was in the garage of the house that I just moved out of because that's when we turned our garage into like a, we weren't using it for cars. We were using it for Nintendo 64s. Um, <laughs> no one furniture. Sounds right. All right. Yeah. We could only use it for like five months out of the year like that. Otherwise it became too hot because it was Southeast Georgia. I just remember sitting there with like my laptop, a bunch of graphing paper, and I would just, sketch some stuff write some stuff sketch some stuff write some stuff because the hard because it's one of those things where what comes first the map or the room descriptions maybe i come up with an idea for a room come up with an idea for here's a privy and there's a portal in the toilet because it's funny like it's just like that kind of stuff just <laughs> yeah. pops into my head uh yeah <laughs> yeah so it's like where because i didn't want just one portal then it's too linear there's be another way to get in here i know where i can put it <laughs> um <laughs> yeah that's where I did the bulk of my writing. And it's the weirdest thing when it comes to writing these. I'll say it costs, it takes just as much time to write that first 15% as it does to write that last 85%. Because you're just, it's like you're starting to chisel away, figure out where you want to go. And then once it all starts to, it's like putting together those end, the border pieces of a puzzle. Yeah. Once you get those, that frame in, then it all starts to fall into place. And so I kind of knew what I was wanting to play with. I dropped some ideas. Initially, I think I was playing more on the chromatic color spectrum. It has something to do with reds, blues, greens. And if you find the red thing, key or something, leads to a red thing over here. But I dropped that after I wanted to play more with the opera house. I knew I wanted to do an opera house or a theater or an auditorium because I was doing a lot of community theater at the time as well. And I was like, this is, would be a good dungeon because you can get lost backstage. <laughs> and... How do I get more dungeon? Do a mirror room of it. And that also then makes you do like everyone was doing. Oh, well, we know what this room is, could be because we mirrored that and the other one. Let's do, you know, almost like that first little step through in the material plane is like the recon work. Not a whole lot's going on in the material plane. Really, Soprano is the only big thing in there. But depending on how big much thing. time you... Yeah, very big. <laughs> yeah, big thing. <laughs> It's like you do enough of that, the more you spend in there, then the more you'll know of the abyssal side once you step through. And I didn't want to mislead too much because uh, I want to kind of reward for how much you poke around. I don't want to reward too much for that because then you get those parties who, it's like playing Diablo 2 and you have to scout out every single last corner of the dungeon. Get every single last... Yeah, completionist. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, when writing it, it's like a 
once you get past that first little bit, it all starts to come together. Especially that I know that Jeff is taking care of art, Jeff is taking care of the formatting, because I had to do all that myself back in my original stuff. I say, okay. Because well, really, also, doing the formatting and doing the art also kind of helps me get into the scheme of things. Sometimes making that page look the way it needs to look just works. For some reason, that is a check, move on. Even though I know I'm going to have to come back and change it later. And Jeff will send me, like, updated art as it comes along, too, and that helps as well. Finally seeing what alto looks like, finally seeing what soprano looks like, that kind of gets you motivated seeing all the pieces roll into place. What inspired the peristalsis situation of Between Realms? <laughs> that might have been an offshoot of if you really want to... You were s- having bad gastric yeah, reflux yeah. that week. <laughs> and- it was terrible. I was choking. I said, if only my throat was a portal to a <laughs> um, <laughs> Ate some bad toes. I mean, peanuts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the... Um, it might, that might have actually might have been peanut season on her in Georgia when I was writing that. And I think about it. <laughs> Anyways, that's the thing. If you, if you ever get peanuts in Georgia, buy them from like the, the random old dude off the side of a road somewhere. Don't go to a store. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, we, <laughs> Good to know. Well, we eat boiled peanuts down here, which is a little odd, I know, to other folks. But give them a try. Boiled. All right. They're more like a bean. <laughs> They're really more like a legume. That's the fancy word for it. But with the uh, <laughs> the... I think I wanted like a way to know people to know, okay, this goes down. Cause that's the thing too, is if gravity's over here pushing down and gravity's down here pushing this way, I said, okay, well I can't have people can kind of get stuck in the middle maybe, but then, Physics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then you can just pull yourself out the other side. Also, I was writing a really, if you want to see me unchained without Jeff there to say, stop, don't stop. Don't put that in there. <laughs> I wrote an adventure. I did it all myself called a PD's pork pie emporium. Which, <laughs> so if you want to go adventuring in a barbecue restaurant uh, <laughs> sounds like it would make me hungry yeah sure. I'm interested well it does come with a 30 comes with a brisket oh well, brisket is on the menu but because I wanted to have some fun with the wait staff like who are the waiters who's working who's on staff that night I had a list of like 36 names of people with who they were and you just roll that. And I realized this can be a tool for anything. You need some tavern staff. Boom, roll these. I think one of them was oh, a, yeah. a broom mimic that eats table scraps. And that patrons keep trying to steal it to <laughs> use the house. <laughs> now, is Petey's Pork Pie Emporium on DM's Guild? Yes, it is. It is on there. But part of that involved a lot of body horror. If, okay. okay. So... <laughs> there is a part where it feels like we're going down a an intestinal track, I think. And I think I think it's like I like playing with this for some reason. This is and just... that was what it. Yeah. Oh, I felt definitely um, reminiscent of the magic school bus yeah. where you're like tiny in the intestines <laughs> and she's talking about peristalsis and stuff. Who was uh, Mrs. What was her Mrs. name? Frizzle. Frizzle. Yeah. Mrs. Frizzle. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Get busy. Make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I know I should have stayed home today. (laughs) At my old one shot, we never would go down this this to a new world. That smarty pants, whatever her name is. Oh, man. Phoebe? Why do I know these names? I haven't seen this show. I don't know, but I had a Magic School Bus birthday cake, so I was there with you into it. Oh, man. I just, like, want to know what we were supposed to do different, I guess, to, like, save the people. I don't know. It's one of those things, too. Yeah, it's one of those things, too, where sometimes... 
someone's going like to get hurt. fail as a one shot for sure. Elena, you always worried about what the right thing to do is. There is never a right thing in D and D. Maybe like the best. It's fun. Whatever's fun. But like Pam, like if you ask her before an adventure what her goals would be, it would be to get everyone out alive, not like save ten. Sounds good. I mean, but in this case, you were not getting everyone out alive. There was a skin cowboy okay. hat. That's what I'm saying. The skin was came there... from somewhere. I mean, yeah. Okay. From a cowboy. And Irma. <laughs> from a... yeah, I mean Irma. <laughs> That's right. That's why they call it a cowboy hat. Oh, how appropriate! Oh not, not a cow hat. <laughs> <laughs> I just hate that Nunda's gonna join us with that hat in another adventure. <laughs> oh yeah, that's hanging. That's hanging in there. It reminds me of that adventure we went on where we saved maybe ten of the two hundred fifty people. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But I got this amazing hat. <laughs> so not all was lost. I think the way I justified it was like we were supposed to find them. Well we found them. <laughs> you sure did. Yeah, that was one of the objectives. You did find them. Right. Objective complete. I got a question for, for Irma when you came up with when you decided what Irma was when he went to find some skin. Did you roll on the the charts of the eight different skins <laughs> that you could pick between? I did not. I know one of them was a little old lady and um he chose that, so I just I didn't want to come up with another voice for another NPC, so I made her <laughs> mute. <laughs> it's like she she can't talk. I mean she doesn't have any working lungs, so she can't talk, right? <laughs> Makes sense. I mean Makes I'm sense. gonna take this opportunity to tell you that I really enjoyed this one shot, Emily, and like, I feel like your DMing is like, I don't know, it's just, it just gets better every time. You like, seem more confident. Did you feel more confident? A little bit. I mean, I still, listening back, there are things that I wish I had done differently, and I wish we had taken a break in the middle, because we'd played for like, a couple times, and then we played for a four hour chunk to finish it up, Mm. and I could tell halfway through that I should have taken a break. My brain needed a, a reset mm-hmm. so i i think i'm getting better at rolling with you guys and and giving you what you need but i still have work to do but i, I feel like i'm getting better at it yeah i felt the same way i felt like this one was really good and and it seemed like you were you felt a lot more comfortable in your dm shoes and this one than. and it helped that it was well written and a lot of the yeah yeah. Stuff that I needed was there for me. I didn't have to figure out a whole lot by myself. So that was Yeah, nice. we I've downloaded stuff not to say anything DMs Guild and some of them are not all that great. I mean, they they just don't they don't read you have to read it two or three times to really try to understand what are they trying to get across here? Why are they doing it? Uh, there's a lot of great stuff out there, but there's, you know, you can really tell when somebody's put the thought into laying something out. Well, well, Jeff showed up and said, there's money if this works. And I said, I like money. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's put some effort into this. And uh, I'll say that's one good thing with Jeff is he knows how to, like, assemble a team. He's like a good Nick Fury. He knows, like, who to who to get for certain things. I love this. The I think he does the layouts. Um, so he does a lot of the editing. And that, I think, keeps it keeps costs low. Uh, but back when I had a Twitter account, um, he would t- at one point he was very candid with one of his adventures about, hey, here's the money that goes into this, and then here's the income that I get out of it, uh, and then here's sometimes you don't know what's going to be a success or not because I mean I've I've put stuff on the DM skill that has sold maybe twenty copies. Mm-hmm. Tasha's Kiss has sold over five thousand. Wow! And, oh, and that's wow. what kind of I think blew both of us away. He was like. 
do you know how much this thing is selling that I paid you to do? I said, why is that? Is there something else you want written? <laughs> now, can anybody put anything out on DMs Guild, or yep. do you have to go through like a, any kind of vetting process of some kind? No, you can put basically anything up there, to a degree. Um, I know you get less of a cut through the DMs Guild, but by using the DMs Guild, you can use wizard IP material. So, mm. think, oh, yeah, okay. like Mind Flayers, yeah. Kuotoa, you know, Forgotten Realms. Otherwise, you have to stick to what is just in the open gaming license and the whatever they allow you to do. They haven't tried to copyright yet. Um, really, the first adventure that I put out, Sun Goes Down with a Ruby Smile, um, that could have not been put on there. But I didn't know really the copyright laws at the time of what was going on with 5th edition because 5th edition had think had yet to release an open gaming license yet and so when dm's guild dropped i said okay well this is the safe one to put it in i'll just drop it over there the downside though is the real vetting process is for physical printing it's not like drive through rpg where you can just make something print on demand as long as it's formatted right dm's guild is very uh meticulous so jeff he um I think the success of Madhouse of Tasha's Kiss, then Happy Jack's Funhouse, allowed him to push to see if he could sell it through print. And I kind of messaged him back saying, dude, can you get Annalise's Revenge in there as well and do it like a, a trilogy that people can buy as print? And that's because I was like, this is my little forgotten child over here that no one ever... <laughs> <laughs> like, of the three, it's... Yeah. And this is the third one published, so the other two also just have an extra year each on it to make sales. And... It's hard to market it not as a sequel because you do get the most out of it having played Happy Jacks first. Uh, and so some people will not go for it instead going for Happy Jacks. And I, I do think, I you know, love both cover art pieces. Jack's grizzly grin there with the bright blue eyes just oh, catches yeah. everyone. Yeah. I think Emily's first question to us was like, anyone got like clown phobias? Because yep. <laughs> if not, like we're doing this. <laughs> Now, where can they pick that up, the book that you have? Can you pick that book up? This book that the listeners cannot see right now that I'm holding up in front of <laughs> yeah. my webcam. Uh, it is available on the DMs Guild. If you look for, we've titled this the Freak Show Collection. And it has both The Madhouse of Tasha's Kiss, Happy Jack's Funhouse, and Annalise's Revenge. It is in hardback and softback. So depending on, of course, the hardback will cost more, but... Uh, I think I've got a few copies of the softback that I've been using just to try to make people buy my stuff <laughs> as needed. But, <laughs> but that's the that's the one downside that I have with DM skills. You have to go through that kind of process to get something printed. Whereas drive through, I even got to the point where I was making little zines. I don't know if anyone's ever like looked in the zine market of the old school D and D things. They are so neat. They're like little saddle bound booklets where people will just print them all out at their own place, but they'll make them very neat. And I can't even do zines of stuff on DM Guild because it technically counts as you selling a printed product of that. Because Petey's Pork Pie Emporium was built to be a, what is it, eight and a half by five and a half? To be where each page is eight and a half a by five. Back. Yeah, like you yeah. fold the paper in half and it's meant to be stapled together. Here's a little booklet of the stuff. The idea being I print out 50 of these, go to a Gen Con and just give them to people. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. But technically I couldn't, uh, I think technically legally, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a way around it. Um, once it's on the DMs Guild, it's in a... Basically, you now own it along with Wizards. Mm. So they're a little more particular about what you can do with it. 
drive through RPG or Itch.io are much more fair game. So you you couldn't sell that out on your own then and print it out? Well, I could probably, if I could order some at-cost copies from DMs okay. Guild, most likely order, um, uh, there's an official ter- term for it where you buy it as, you're not buying it as a customer. Like a retail version? Yeah. Like a retail value. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. And so I can get those and probably I could get those in a bit of a discount if bought in bulk. I think Jeff might have done that. He said, hey, I'll send you just a, a few to give out to people. That's how you start a pyramid scheme. We each buy 10 books. <laughs> uh, then they have to sell 10 books. Shh, shh don't say that so get... loud. Don't say that so loud. <laughs> Someone else. We're trying. I'll cancel, I'll cancel that shipment going to you, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> well, you found us by realizing we did Happy Jacks, right? Yeah, I just went, to, sp- I went to Spotify and yeah. just typed Happy Jacks Funhouse to see it. who yeah. had been running it. And I was like, okay, cool. I commute a lot right now. Well, <laughs> back in yeah. six months ago or hey, however. Hey, we got a backlog of episodes for you. <laughs> I've noticed that too. And I've also said, damn. <laughs> well, we were doing twice a week at first, so it was a lot. What's a good starting point if I, if I needed to find a, like, not a, not the starting point. Mm. But if I wanted to back up. Because that's, that's the one thing with, with live streams and Critical Role and stuff as I'm looking at it going, Oh, this is like a soap opera. There's like 60 episodes in one season. Like, yeah, yeah. We do have a recap yeah. episode. If you want, just we have a chapter have a one recap and a chapter two recap. You could. I'd say <laughs> I'd say start. Yeah, I'd say start in chapter two or three. But as things sort of wind down in our campaign, it is like all the connections are back. happening now. Yeah. And it's yeah, connections mm-hmm. are being made. Oh, okay. Our minds anyway. are blown regularly. Like, how did we not see that? Where you pull back that NPC from two seasons ago, and it turns out that person's been. Plotting. You might want to yeah. yeah. You, you might want to <laughs> tell Jeff about this guy Leland Steele, who's pretty good at making things up. <laughs> I thought you were about to say Lilo and Stitch. No. <laughs> <laughs> I often get that's confused. what I'm going to call him from now on. Leland Steele. But that's thank you so much for sharing in Elise's revenge with us. Obviously, it's your baby. Now that I know more about it, so that's awesome. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, like I saw, mm-hmm. you guys seem to pick up real well on Happy Jack. So I figured, here's this. I want to see. <laughs> yeah, I want to see yeah, this this French that. bastard run through this adventure now. Yeah. Now just imagine that character of Jacques talking to himself as the DM playing three different interacting NPCs. I mean, there's our campaign. <laughs> Everyone is French. And yeah. Everyone's yeah. French. <laughs> Occasionally a sailor pirate voice. <laughs> you got anything in the works right now? Not at the moment, however. Because uh, originally I stopped for like a year and a half or two years because the job just got more intense. Well... About a year ago, basically when I uh, took a position that was basically a 60-mile uh, drive from where I was living with the idea to eventually move over here. And that was how much it cost to live on the coast. And I was like, why did I do this? But <laughs> through, you know, enough raises after a And while, you get hurricanes now, so. Oh, well, we, well, we got those initially. Originally. We, okay. just, we just got like 50 miles worth of buffering to not get hit by them. <laughs> now that I've moved over here, I'm not spending 10-plus hours a week commuting. Even though I had three-day weekends, on Tuesdays and Thursday, I worked 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., which means I'm, yeah, I'm leaving the house at 6.15, and I'm not getting back to it. That's rough. Oh, man. That is really bad. So eventually I said, I'm not writing anything. I'm going to bed. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah. And actually, no, I, I take that back. Uh, that is when me and my buddies, we started a, I guess, like a lot of people, we started a COVID campaign. Um, mm-hmm. We all just tuned in virtually and started playing some adventures. And I started to just do a write-up of the adventure. Like, okay, what happened? And I wrote, wrote it up and then I started drawing pictures for it. And that turned into its own project where eventually after the seventh session of that, I said, we're going to run Tomb of Annihilation, you guys. Let's, let's step in and do something big. And so 50-something sessions, that's basically what I started doing. I started playing. I was not doing a whole lot of playing when I was writing. And the playing that I was doing was more broadcast-style, inter- broadcast entertainment purposes. It was not just sitting around and rolling the dice with some friends. Because you do, at least with me and the folks I was with, you do alter your play style a little bit, I think, when playing for an audience. Because you're not just playing for fun, you're playing to entertain. Yeah, I agree. And at least when when it's just me and my buddies playing now with this campaign, I'm saying things like, oh yeah, I can stop here and and take a couple minutes to flip through this book. Which I guess on a podcast you can too, because it later gets edited out. But I'm used to live Twitch streams, where you have to... Thank you for the follow. And you just, you know, oh, yeah, chat. Ha, ha, ha. Talk to you over here. And it's going, okay, let me fill up this dead time. You know, ring yeah. the bell like a radio DJ just going bonkers. And one of the new players we got is being weird. So we got to do something with him. <laughs> do you always DM for your group? Or do you, you guys switch off? I won't be DMing in a little bit. Because what I kind of said, eventually I, would, I was writing and then I was doing the artwork for our write-ups. And eventually what I started doing is just we would record the sessions, the audio of it, and a buddy of mine, one of the players, he would do the writing. He'd do the writing instead. And I'd go in and tweak it as needed, and I'd just do the artwork. But I've turned into a bit of a forever DM, although after this, after season two of what we've called started calling Blunder Quest, I said, okay, I'm going to back off a little bit and let... Do I want any of y'all want to do some DMing? And I think that they, a lot of them have kind of popped up saying they'd like to, or even do like a rotating DM. Because if there's one thing that I kind of miss, I read about these old ways that people would play D&D, where you'd go to that place where people play D&D, there'd be maybe four dungeon masters, and you got put in with a group, didn't matter what level you were, if you were level one and they're level four, you just, you you sat in the back, (laughs) or they all (laughs) protected you. And we'll also add to the fun. We got this 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 new guy. Let's, let's, let's oh yeah, keep him close. Yeah. So I got a side project where I'm doing that with a whole bunch of new people. There's like 12 people or so in this. Eventually, because I created a small little separate Discord, half of them have half of them have never played before at all. But I told them, look, guys, here's the reason we're doing this. When I say we're going to play it Saturday, and half of you all say you can't do it, I got at least four who say they can. Yeah. But of course, there's going to be that one day where everyone's off. And, yeah. Or what they'll say, can I bring a friend? Yeah. Which I say, sure, but how many people are bringing Level friends? one. Yeah, level one. <laughs> yep. This encounter is not going to be uh, laid out very, very smoothly. One hit, you're going to die, buddy. <laughs> so sit in the back. you got to earn those levels. That's right. <laughs> now that I have moved over here, though, and I'm paying coast rent, I have reached out to Jeff and I've said, hey, I'm probably going to reach out and get and ask for some more gaming projects coming down the line. Um, originally, I was I did pick up something for MT Black a few months ago, but I, I had to dip out of it. I kind of messaged and said, "Hey, it's just I thought I had the time to do this. There's the commute and all." 
So I might reach back out to him and see if there's still another project available. But as far as things being published, I'm thinking about dipping back into the novels for a bit, see what I can do with that. But a lot, honestly, a lot of my creative activities go into the Blunder Quest write-up blogs, painting on my Warhammer minis, because I just keep getting more. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> How does that happen? I, I, mean... I don't know. Like I just, they just keep coming. They keep showing up. <laughs> I have stacks of Song of Ice and Fire miniatures, all back behind me as I'm on the shelf, but I don't know. I mean, and John just posted on Twitter today a boat the size of his table or whatever. Hey, what you need Huge. is some 3D printers is what you need to do. Oh, yeah. You, you got some I like of those? how you said with an X, yeah. printers. Oh, yeah, we can't have just one. Yeah, no, no, no. You can't print a boat with one printer. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask if you played other things other than D&D, &D, uh, I mean, what other role-playing games. I've dipped in more of the OSR style of D&D material as well. I can't get people to latch onto it, though, because it's very easy to die. I like that aspect of it. I kind of <laughs> mm -hmm. like the lethality because it makes people... It's real funny getting an old-school D&D player to play with 5e players because the old-school D&D player, as I'm noticing with the 5e thing I'm running now, is very, don't just go in there. You wait. <laughs> right. We got to take steps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we have our home group and my brother and I are the older school guys. Of course I like I like to be a random and wild, but my brother's like always scared of everything. You can't just walk in there. You're gonna die. <laughs> we have a couple questions from our listener uh that are specific for this Annalise play. What happened to Irma? <laughs> I believe she just got left. <laughs> she got left behind in the oh, episode plane, so when the Abyssal side fell apart after Bass's defeat, she went floating in the void. Irma's fighting the good fight, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she did. She said, go. I'll take care of them. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Irma's got your back. Leland, what will Jacques' next class be? I, there's there's very few left on the list to pick, honestly. Barbarian. <laughs> Do it. I want to see a rage. I want to see a French rage. Yeah, unfortunately, he doesn't have the strength for a barbarian. Otherwise. No. Take the ability score improvement. Do it. Let's go. Hey, I, I see him running a bakery at some point. <laughs> He's very particular about his baguette. <laughs> You can be a connoisseur of something, but have no ability to create that something. Yeah, right. right. But you you just own the bakery, oh, and then right. you just and go, boot, no, boots works not good there. enough. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh yeah, yeah. You backhand him, and no, back to the kitchen. Put a croissant on either side of their face and squish it. <laughs> he was a sh he was a class of a chef at one point, but he dropped out, so he didn't get his chef class, and he, uh, yeah. Well, even better, if he gets steals one of those mime outfits from Annalise's adventure, he can just go right for this whole French aesthetic. and <laughs> French mime. <laughs> Jacques likes talking too much. That's true, yeah. You can't have, that's right. Mimes don't have French accents. It's contrary to public belief. They don't have French accents. They might, which is uh, nobody can that's confirm. That's what you think. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> They're thinking it. That's what they French. want you to think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thinking it with a French accent, right. I should say. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had a lot of fun. Nunda's a good addition. I want to see Nunda reprised again here. Finally, a voice that didn't annoy you. <laughs> <laughs> 
His voice didn't annoy me. The smell from his pants, however. <laughs> Change your frickin' diaper, Nunda. I'll go back to Pippi. <laughs> you know what? Do. Chloe, like, Mikkel, all of them. Oh, man. I really hope that for the main feed, this was, like, a glimpse into the fun we have on our patron-only campaigns. It's, like, very much goofier Yeah. when we do our little one-shots together. Yeah, it was fun to play this and, and release it for everyone to hear. Because I think uh, you don't always see as much as much of that side of us on the main feed. So it's fun. I wouldn't have found it if it wasn't available to the public. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's another happy... Uh, happy accident. Happy Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. Well, well that's one thing as writers that we love to see. I mean, we like to see... It's like if, when I, if I find out that someone's playing a thing that I've written, I'm sitting there like, okay... If it, especially if it's yeah, let's let's hear this. I don't want to watch any of this other stuff. I didn't write that. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Emily, did you do this for a test group like you did with Jack? Uh, yeah, or? same group that did Jack. So I before doing it for the podcast, I ran and through with uh, some of our Discord people and patrons, and the same people that did Happy Jack did Annalise plus a couple. Um, so I had a big group for Annalise. And how did that go? It went pretty well. <laughs> Actually, The um, so a couple differences. There was a mannequin on the material side that basically you could dress up and it would do the same thing that Irma did on the Abyssal side. They, so they had a mannequin following them around called Manny. And then they didn't have the uh, flesh golem like you guys had. They didn't even visit the witch and wizard. So they didn't even know about that going on. They, when they saw Annalise in the crowd, they tied her down before they used the rose. So then they oh, were no. able to defeat her. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they fought and killed Alto. Okay. Nice. And I don't remember what happened with Tenor with them. Whereas, is Alto the one that we locked in the closet? Alto is the red, the naked red guy that was the one that was actually tying everybody in place. All right, did they save everyone oh, or no. no? Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> oh, okay, no. I'm feeling better no. about myself now. No. They only they only got like 60, 65 maybe. They had a fight base on the Abyssal side, though, and on the Abyssal side, she cannot be hurt. So you guys got lucky that Annalise followed you over to the material side before base made her oh. appearance. Ooh, I think okay. you might have told us that after we had finished. Yeah, they were not doing well. <laughs> I mean, did they blind the eye? No, that was clever. Genius. That was very clever. We'll work on this giant eye. Blind and asleep. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Pam likes to put people to sleep. (laughs) Like the kids before Jack eats them. Yeah, and then uh, one of the players that was on Happy Jack also, and uh, she saved Oink Fat and renamed him Kevin Bacon and put him in a baby Bjorn and carried him around. So she had him for Annalise's adventure too. That pig was like last minute right before going to print. I said, Jeff! <laughs> yeah. Jeff, I had an idea! <laughs> Just do it. Just throw it in there. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I'm, well, because what happened is he had the artwork made for Reaver. Like the artwork for Reaver, she's this big, plump, little <laughs> kind of witch with her cranking her little thing, and it was holding a pig. And I was like, Oh. I want to yeah. put that pig in the adventure. What can I do with that pig? How about this is a pig that can't be killed? And that's all it is. It yeah. just cannot be killed. Oh, for real? It can't die. <laughs> yeah. It can't die. He's immortal. So you, you can punt him halfway across the room. He'll just, you know, just bounce off <laughs> and keep doing his thing. And that's always fun to see, too, how people react to 
the pig and how people react to the hippo. Some people have been bitten by that hippo. Oh, yeah. And I, I think we had a guy who I was listening to someone play it. Someone had a bunch of bird seed. They were using the bird seed to lead the hippo around to where they needed the hippo to go. <laughs> Hippos are apparently really dangerous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bite from a hippo, Just you're done. In the initial run through, a uh, turtle got bitten by the hippo. So then he was a turtle wear hippo. <laughs> a turtle <a> hippo. <laughs> yeah. A hip turtle. Yeah, okay, cool. The wear hippo came from a an extra life campaign charity that me and a friend were doing. Where I created the druid, and he I called him a lycanthropotamus. <laughs> um, and his for some reason I don't know where this name came from, but he was his name was Grand Pippy Shippy, <laughs> and he was the Grand Pippy of his tribe. And I drew him because that's what you say in Georgia, Grand Pippy. Yeah, the Grand Pippy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, well, that term I think came from I was playing PUBG with some people, and they have like the the double barreled shotgun, and I called it my Grand Pippy Shippy, and it just came out of my mouth one day, but it stuck with me. And I think for that Extra Life campaign, we made it where every 10 bucks someone donated to a player, it was like you could unlock these 20 things. And I called it the Pimp Mypotamus campaign. <laughs> um, you can donate to Pimp Out Mypotamus. Yes. And so Grand Peepy Sheepy could start off with uh, like a Game Boy Color and <laughs> a harpoon on his back or just little dumb things that just added the flavor, made it goofy. And he was a he was just a uh, druid who just would wild shift wild shape into a hippopotamus <laughs> I kept it i said i like this idea of a, of a lycanthropotamus of a were hippo jeff <laughs> <laughs> it's like really this is turning into a thing to put all your weird wacky ideas i'm not gonna say no but <laughs> i think we need to have jeff on and yeah, talk now to we him about rimley yeah. Yeah, yeah. what's from it me. like working with rimley i <laughs> 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 He wants to throw a pig, Andy. Just let him have the pig. Because yeah. <laughs> I know with um, because one thing with Happy Jacks as well. When I'm trying to think of all the random ideas I had that I crammed in there. Is there's like those little side tunnels, which I'm sure Emily's aware of, the ones that you can't fit through. Yeah. But you can, if the Am Viper bites you and you fail a save, you transform into a swarm of poisonous snakes. Yeah, you guys aren't aware of that. So you are then a collective of poisonous snakes. And that yeah. is the way if... Because I, I said, okay, here are some little... Forever? No, until the Ambiper gets killed. But it's one of those things where I want something weird to happen if you get bit and fail. I don't want you to get paralyzed. I want you to... You're a pile of snakes. Jeff! Uh, so, um... Uh, but then, okay, well, if you turn into this pile of snakes, ooh, you can do neat things. Because hidden back somewhere in Happy Jacks is... I think I called it like the the serpent collective it's a mm -hmm. bunch of other people who've been bitten by this am viper <laughs> oh, no. and they're all they just formed like like those snake balls that happen oh, oh. they're just like <laughs> and it's like welcome we are the ones <laughs> i want to say though based on the room that i put them in if you kill the am viper and the am viper dies and they'll turn back into people the room's not big enough for the people no Hindsight. it was not yeah, oh. what happens? Yeah. Yeah. i think that happened oh, in your no. session right yeah, physics. Yeah. yeah, physics. Well, you can't fit through that pipe if you get, get squished hard enough. <laughs> well, this has been great. We thank you very much for joining us for this and for writing the adventures in the first place. We enjoyed playing them. Very well written. I liked it very much. When I first started, I saw Jack and I saw that face. And I was like, oh, I got to do yeah. this. And then I started reading, started reading Annalise, and I was like, oh. This is so much worse. 
This is so much worse. But like Jack. Happy Jacks for you, Emily, was like a campaign that I felt like you really felt more confident in the way it was written. It must have been just like what you were supplied with, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. I felt it. How can we uh how can we promote you? Where can people find you? Obviously DM You, you can imagine. find me on a website, just like in the old <laughs> days. Before social media. You got your own website? Yeah, yeah, I got your own website, do you? Yeah, with a web ring though. <laughs> got on the interwebs. Rimleyfar.com is exactly it. Rimleyfar.com. Yeah, it's my All name. Right, there we go. No one's gonna take my name. I got a weird name. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. It's uh Rimleyfar.com. You'll find a list of the things that I've written. Um, some of the other people I've collaborated with, which I need to update that. I haven't updated that in a bit. But a lot of it, too, you'll find the weird, strange campaign that me and my buddies are playing. And a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that they say is word for word what the characters are saying. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's complete with cartoon drawings. Right now, they're doing Descent into Avernus, and they said, we want to all be Minotaurs. So they're doing a Minotaur campaign. And when they're all playing Minotaurs, anytime something weird happens, they just say, well, that's Minotaur culture. In Minotaur culture, we wouldn't allow this. And and it it just sets the... I think one of them was not a Minotaur. He's a tiefling, but he's a horned ally, as they call him. He's the one they have go... They just send him in to go talk to the people. A funny thing about it, too, if you ever get... To reading it is at one point i unconsciously realized that anytime they said we want to go we want to go talk to somebody they're in a new place area of Baldur's Gate. we want to go speak with somebody for some reason i always made it where they approached a kid so <laughs> we just we just said that's part of their culture too where like we need, <laughs> we need to find someone who knows what's going on you little human tell us what's going on with your people <laughs> and they just rolled with it it's crazy the dumb stuff that they would do but yeah, we'll put a link to it on our website if we remember to update our website. There you go. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. I've been done to John. You smelt it, you dealt it. I'm Pam. <laughs> Am I next? Yep. Yeah. I'm next. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Let me start over wait, again. Wait, 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 wait. You're not next. You're Booch. Come on. <laughs> You're professionals, can you tell? <laughs> yeah. I've been Bill and Booch. I'm Leland Steele and Jacques Metier. And I'm Emily. I was the DM. And we had our special guest, Remley Farr. Thank you very much for joining us. I've been John and Shaft. Not in the after party. And Nunda, come on. <laughs> and no, no, we don't do that in the after party, is what I was saying. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh okay. Bill... <sighs> Sign us I'm off, not though. next. No, Emily's sign us next. off. I'm, no, yeah. we don't do this in the after party. Huh? Oh, wait, oh. what? Yeah, we do. Yes, we do. This is the only place it's, we do it. It's the only time we ever do it. What are you talking wait, about? Wait, so it goes John, Emily, yeah, me. So I'm it's not me. I, 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 <laughs> okay, I'm Elena. I played Pam. I, wait, wait, no. I messed up. Because <laughs> okay, I said chat. No, so yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> really Hi, I'm really far. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs>